All right. Well, it's good to be back in the live podcasting mode. I've had a little two-week break of actually live streaming the show. So, Pete, welcome to the uh, restart on the live stream of the Big Ticket Life Show. Appreciate you being here. It's a pleasure to be the restarting one here today, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Yeah, me too. And it's not that, you know, anything bad happened, just schedules happened and had to pre-record some episodes. So it feels good to be back in the office. Feels good to be back here in my little podcast studio with you. And, you know, we've got a lot of things, I think, more in common than most of my guests. We were, you know, I was born and you live in Canada. Like we were like within an hour or so of each other, it sounded like. And uh, we've got commonalities in retail business ownership and mm-hmm. path and trajectories of how we help people now. So uh, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and we'll kind of dig in. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, my name's Pete Moore and I run a coaching company called Simplifying Entrepreneurship and work with business owners. Typically what I say is, you know, um, business owners have been at it for a while. They usually, you know, have done well, usually have a little bit more money now. And they're kind of thinking to themselves, hmm, do I still want to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week? You know, this kind of thing. So I spend a lot of my time coaching entrepreneurs these days and podcasting with great people like you and talking to all sorts of business owners. Um, And I do own two shoe stores. We own shoe stores called Shootopia here. So I'm a retailer like you in the mattress business. And, and, you know, one of the things that I've always done with any of the businesses that I've owned is that I've always tried to work my way and I call it moving from operator to owner. I've always tried to work my way out of being the operator of my business to the mm-hmm. ownership position. I know that's a similar framework to what you have, Jeff. And I, I just love this idea that, you know what, I want to have other people in my organization be able to make the decisions because it's my belief that Decisions should be made at the lowest possible level of the organization, not the top Mm. of the organization. And I mean, that's just a foundational belief that I have that just everything you do as the leader should be made, should help make those decisions at the lowest possible level of the organization. I take it back to when I started business in 1994, I had a bathroom renovation company, owned that for 15 years. I owned a cleaning franchise that we bought with 30 customers and built it to 300 and sold it. I was a business broker for many years. But one of my things as being a business broker, Jeff, which is one of the other reasons why I got into doing what I'm doing now is that, you know, businesses, when we look at if, and small business owners are listening to this podcast, I know this, but, you know, if you look at your business and I'm talking to you, the listener, Look at your business. And if you're making all of the decisions or most of the decisions or even most of the major decisions in your business all the time, then is it a job or is it a business? And how exactly that? Right. Are you, does somebody want to buy your job or do they want to buy your business? And in order for us to do this, whether you're doing, whether you're moving from owner or moving from operator to owner because you want to hold your investment like Jeff, you do and I do as well because they're good mm-hmm. investments, right? Yep. Or whether 100%. you want to set it and poise it for sale, it's the same thing. And right. I, fa- I found helping people buy uh, buy and sell businesses when, when they were ready to sell businesses, a lot of people got were ready to sell their business because they were frustrated. They were frustrated in that 50, 60, 70 hours. They were tired of making all the decisions. They were worn out and worn down. And at the same time, that's when your business is valued at the least, 
Mm-hmm. So we need to put in all of the stuff that we'll talk about today, I'm sure. We need to put yeah. all these pieces in place and build the business so that it has the highest value so that either you're going to turn it and and do whatever else you want to do or whether you're going to hold it because you're actually working your business in the areas that you truly love to work in, not the ones that you don't. Yeah. Oh, great, great way to open the show. Uh, you unpacked quite a little bit there. Um I loved your statement about decisions made at the lowest level possible. You know, I have that kind of business. I think it sounds very similar to you yeah. know, structure and, and operational uh, playbook of, of yours with Shootopia, where yeah. I do empower our team to make decisions. Um, you know, we, you know, and, and we run a very good business. We have a very good rating online. We get tons of reviews that I think, Pete, you'll like this. We actually have customers hand write out, and uh, we call it a testimonial feedback form, and they mail it back to us in 2023. And I think that's really special because time's our most precious commodity, right? And when you've done such a good job that customers mail back their feedback, that says something. And I think that's a, a, a key point almost every business should strive to put into their workflows and into their uh, review strategies to get those kinds of reviews because they're special, they're undeniable. Uh, in this day and age, but we unfortunately had a, we had a one-star review come in and yeah. uh, been there. <laughs> yeah, right. And, you know, listen, as we worked through it, the reality is this one fell under the customer's not always right. Yeah. Sometimes it's just the customer. Yeah. And, and, um, and boy, was I proud of our team because at that frontline lowest level possible, they did everything I would have done. And in this instance, unfortunately, nothing was good enough. You, your retail business does shoes. Yeah. I do mattresses. Neither of us cures cancer and we don't launch spaceships. So it's really not that life changing. Now, that's not to say we don't respect our customers time and money, but we did put very, very solid options to rectify the situation. And, and really all that wanted to be done was just gripe and whine and complain and, and for four days, berate my team, my business partner, and the customer ultimately said, well, just pick one of your remedies. So we did. We just refunded the money. Yeah. And, and, and then it was like that meme of insert surprise Pikachu face. Yeah. What? Well, you said pick one. So we did. Yeah. And because our relationship doesn't end when we just, when our taillights leave your driveway, right? has a tail. It has a comfort guarantee. We want repeat business. I was so happy with our team about how they handle it. And we have a company set up where the lowest level people can make those decisions. We empower them. So let's dig into that a little more. Cause I think that's one that really blows a lot of people's minds that might listen. Yeah. You know, um, if I can reel back just a little bit, uh, yeah. which uh, around reviews, because it's it's a really interesting thing that you mentioned this. Um, one of the things that we do, um, you know, of course, we have two in-store brick and mortar stores, but we also ship out online. And one of the things we do is we send with every pair of shoes that we send out, we send a handwritten thank you note. The nice. idea, the idea of handwritten is a very interesting thing that's overlooked by a lot of small business owners. Right. So we don't send a great big long one, but we send a handwritten thank you note saying, you know, thank you. You know, even as as impersonal as online shopping is, we want to personalize the online experience as much as we possibly can. 
we talked about you or you talked a little bit about reviews too and one of the things and yes we've got the one star reviews we've had those where the customers just are, are unhappy uh and you know it's interesting one of the things i read most recently was that the most if you look at sort of a google review and i'm not sure where ours is at right now i think it's 4.6 or 4.7 something like that and um they said that the most respected Google reviews lie between 4.3 and 4.7. Because, really? yes, because if, if you're over 4.7, then people start to wonder whether they're false reviews. Mm. Yep. Yeah, so we're at 4.9. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, it's just, it's something I literally was, was reading in the last week. And it's like, that people are actually thinking that the ones that are extremely high are almost skewed to the point where they've had people give erroneous, you know, or, bot, we, you or know, bots have done it or whatever the case is. Yeah, we've had, we've had people mention, I didn't, I was skeptical. Mm-hmm. I had to experience it to yeah. believe it. And yeah. it was true. Yeah. And here I am giving a five-star review and you can see that. Uh, the beautiful thing about what Peter and I are talking about is you can go to Shootopia in Canada, uh, yeah. and you can go to my site, Gardener's Mattress and More. You can look us up and, yeah. uh, and, and check out what we're talking about. But yeah, we've had people say, I didn't, I didn't believe it. I was skeptical, but boy, these, this is spot on. And, and so in a way, I kind of look at those moments where we do get less than yeah. that five star review as is kind of like settles things in a little bit. It shows the reality of this company. And, and I think you could agree with this statement. Um, you know, when you do get a negative review, the way I've learned to respond and I feel best about it is I'm writing that response to, uh, the person reading it, not the customer, because we've already handled our business privately. Mm -hmm. I'm writing it to say, Hey, we're a real company. Here's where a mistake happened. Here was the ways we chose to rectify it, which were super reasonable above and beyond type of thing. And, you know, I think when you do that, your next customer up really can respect that. Hey, you're not a perfect company. Nobody expects no. perfection. Exactly. At least not in reality. They shouldn't. But when things go wrong, the real thing is how do you make it right? And that's how we do. I, I, do you have any expanded thoughts on that? No, I think I think that's great. I mean, the the idea here is, I mean, so the thing I like about mattresses and, and shoes is... I use the mattress analogy all of the time in our shoe store. And we use the shoe one all the time. Yeah, because I call them the foundations. So, mm-hmm. you know, your mattress is your foundation at night, your feet, your shoes are your foundation during the day. And you want to have good quality, comfortable, you know, all of those things that we talk about in our businesses. But, sh- you know, how, how much time are you in your shoes every day? And how much time are you lying on your mattress every day? And if those aren't of top quality and giving you the sleep and the comfort and all of the, then you are not going to feel right. So I look at all of this stuff and it's like, how do we take them through from these foundational things within the business? This is the promise, right? This is all of the promise that we're talking about in our business Mm -hmm. and what, and it doesn't matter whether you're selling mattresses or shoes or whether you're selling trinkets or fixing cars, whatever the case is, but every business needs to really have an ultimate clarity of what the promise is. And, you know, um, the promise is a little bit different, Jeff, than a mission or a vision, 
You know, when when I look at the promise, because I've got this five P structure, right? And the five P structure is one: understand your promise. Two: align your products, your process, and your people to it, so that you can have the right amount of profit, right? And it all starts with the promise, and the promise is externally facing. So when we think of the mission and the vision, the mission and the vision, extremely important. You need to have that, but mm-hmm. they're really more internally focused. Like we will do this. We are going to, you know, sell a thousand yep. mattresses by next year and, you know, all those kind of things. And you t- put timelines behind them and all this kind of stuff. But the promise is more outwardly focused. And if I'm going to flip it, I already told you what one of my promises is for, um, for simplifying entrepreneurship, which is we're going to help you move from operator of your business to owner of your business. There's a transformation there, right? And, you know, when I, when I use the shoe store, I've got some different models and you're, I think these align well with the mattress industry too, because it's, uh, it's interesting. But when I, when I talk about that, it's, we want to help you look great and feel fantastic not one or the other because most mm-hmm. people when they buy shoes they're like yeah if they look good they probably don't feel good and if they feel good they probably don't look good <laughs> yeah, right exactly so understand exactly. what the promise is the shoes yep. that we have in our stores and now we're aligning our product we're aligning our process we're aligning our people and our people are three different levels which is our suppliers our um, team mm. and our clients right and we're aligning all of those to the promise so if you come in looking for a six inch stiletto in my store, you're probably not going to find it because it's, it's not aligning with the feel side of things as much. Right. We're going to find some comfortable heels, but we're not going to find those ones, right? Because I'm telling you in my, in my promise and the promise is on my wall. It's, it's, yeah. at, you know, in all of our marketing, we want to help you look great and feel fantastic. Taking that down, if we want to explode the, the sort of promise. And I encourage everybody listening to do this for your business. Think about what your promise means and how you can actively lay it out in different ways. People hear things, they see things, they smell things, they touch things. So all of the different senses, how can you live your promise and how can you reveal it to the world in the ways that they are, like in your case, it's a lot of, I want to lie on this thing, right? So when, when I look at, um, our promise, I call it the heart of Shootopia model, and it looks like a heart. It's got three nodes, but basically it's the ooh, the ah, and the aha. So I've taken it down to nine letters. And ooh means, ooh, I look pretty good. I'm looking in the mirror and I'm going, mm-hmm, yeah, these look good. Right? Look good. And feel fantastic is the ah. And the ah is when you close your eyes and you're standing in your shoes in front of the mirror that you've just looked at yourself and you go, <sighs> These feel fantastic. And I could see myself doing that I when I go it. to the mattress store, right? It's yep. like, is this, you know, I want the king. I want, I, uh, is this the headboard I want? Now I'm going to lie down onto it and I'm going to go, oh yeah, I can, I can picture myself. So I'm not just saying it feels good. I'm giving them the language and I'm prompting them in the sales procedure, taking them through to say, okay, does it look good? Let's get you in front of the mirror. You know, like, let's get you on the mattress. And whatever it is for your business, who is, you know, as the listener here, how are you taking them through this journey from the pain that they had, which is, I hate these shoes that I'm currently standing in, to the promise of a better life? Because everybody buys a better life. And that's that's the nut of the promise. The promise truly is, what's their problem? 
What are your unique set of structures and process that takes them to the better life? And if you can outline that with ultimate clarity, you're on your way to having a successful, profitable business. Yeah, love, love all of that. I mean, we've, we've got so many different connections and correlations that are like just parallel lined up. We have our seven step wake up happy promise that kind of guides that ooh, ah, and the aha through each of the steps, right? You know, shoes are one of those things you get to show off, right? Yeah. People have affinity to like, I actually love cowboy boots. You know, I wanted to be a cowboy as a kid. And, uh, at some point, uh, in the, down the road in life, we will, uh, a vision my wife and I have is to have campground with little petting zoo, little farmette and horses, right? Sweet. Um, you know, so for me, like cowboy boots, you show off, right? Well, a mattress, you don't so much show off. Mm-hmm. And there's other businesses that you don't get to show things off per se. Yeah. But you can have that. And I, I'll say it again. I love that. Ooh, ah, uh, an aha moment. You can, um, you can give that to you, to your customer, the person you're working with in the moment. You can yeah. give them that satisfaction. I kind of correlate it in my world. I say, you've got to give people that story to behold that story that they love about doing business with you and then enable them to tell it, be told the story to behold and the story to be told, uh, I think is so important, but shifting gears, you know, the people you help, it's the same that I help. And I, I, I know the answers for some of the folks that I work with and, and that I speak to, but why, why is it, what have you seen and why is it, how does it happen? that people fall away from their purpose in business. What happens that they get into this thing, they love it, 10, 15 years go by, and they're at that point just to throw it all away. Of course, the logical brain says this business is worth X, but the reality of the business from the outside looking in is it's, it's a lot less at Y. Why do people fall away from that purpose? What happens? Um, I think it's a variety of different things, Jeff. Uh, one. Sometimes it gets easy and they fall into ruts around different things, you know, and it's just the same old, right? If you're not looking to grow, right? If you, if you're sort of at the stage where you're saying, "Mm, I don't want to grow anymore, then typically you kind of fall off and lose interest. I, I think a lot of small business owners are people that need to have newness, need to have things happening. I mean, I'm a big fan of the Colby report, K-O-L-B-E, and, yep. um, and basically um, taking my certification in that. But from, from, from the, the side of Colby, you know, if you're a high quick start, if you're somebody who has, is an ideas person and everything, you know, it's very hard to let things just stay stale, you know? So you're, you want to move on. And if, and if you're finding yourself where you can't move on and you're stuck in this little level of ceiling of complexion or complexity, then that's a, that's a problem, right? Um, there's other issues like personal issues around family and life and sort of all sorts of different things as we go through the series and stages of life and kids growing up and all of these different things. But there, uh, the biggest issue that I see out there is that people just get bored and the boredom of, of, uh, sort of regularly doing things. Entrepreneurs typically need to keep rolling with stuff. So you need, you need to have a bigger future ahead of yourself. And if you don't see a bigger future in your business, 
then it's very hard to carry on a lot of times with that business. I couldn't agree more. I'm a uh, eight quick start on yeah. the Colton score. Yeah, I'm a nine. I think my I think my score is a three three eight six. Yeah, so we're we're close. I'm I'm a uh, four three nine two. So you're a higher implementer. Um, but uh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, these are these are things. And when we look at the structure of our teams, when we look at a lot of this, the people portion, right? That other P in the five Ps. Mm -hmm. We, it's so interesting to overlay some things like this in order to understand how decisions are being made within your business, not only by you, because you need to understand yourself from these different, um, whether it's Colby or any of the other ones, DISC or MBTI, or, you know, there's a variety of different ones out there, Enneagram. I just like the Colby because it's, it's your modus operandi. It's how you make decisions. And I talk a lot about decisions right. and what I do. And I feel that business owners, their main job is making decisions. So we want to really understand this. And when we understand it, not only for ourselves, but within our team and the structure of that and how people make decisions based on different things, it's so, so important. And it's also interesting to overlay when you can take that and get an idea for, you're not going to ask your customer who's coming in to buy the next mattress, you know, can you do this Colby report so I can, you know, but, <laughs> but at the same time, you can, grand. Yeah, you can kind of sit back and go, Hmm, I bet you this person is, you know, a high fact finder. And so yeah. if they're, if they're asking me these kind of questions they are probably a high fact finder, which means I need to pepper them with all the information that they need in order to make a decision. Yeah. And some people will come in, they just want the overview. And so understanding how some of these things work in the sales process is really interesting piece of aligning yeah. and assigning some of the duties that you got to do in order to, you know, make the business hum. Yeah. On that note, actually, of wouldn't it be grand if we actually had the psychographic information on customers? Um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of, uh, you know, NLP practitioners. Sure. There's a lot of people that study body language. Very simply, I've found that when people walk into our store, and I've, I've implemented this in other businesses, is tell me why you're shopping today. And would you be open to having a conversation over here, away from the thing or things? Would you be open to having that conversation so we understand how our solutions may fit your needs? And that simple three-step uh language track, sales track, whatever you want to call it, really does bring out some of that behavioral attributes of the person in front of you. Because if they're just that firing on all sellers, let's get it done, let's get it done, let's get it done, they're going to be really uncomfortable sitting down away from the thing because they want to look at the shoes. They want to lay on the mattress. They want to, I did this at a sofa store. They want to sit on the sofas and get the recliner out. Uh, I did this with a deck builder. They want to like touch the decks, look at the decks, look at the look at the wood, the products. Sure. But when you follow that little process, and there's a lot in between, we could spend hours on this. Yeah, yeah. But that simple three-step framework really does begin to help construct your sales presentation, your prescription of fit. Because I think in 2023, if you're not looking to be that prescriptor, if you're not looking to affirm what the customer knows or feels they knows, and maybe at times there's some misinformation, so it's our job to delicately redirect that. Yeah. I'm sure you run across that in the shoes oh, all yeah. the time. Oh, yeah. You know, but if we're not in a position of affirmation and we're just always selling, 
that's a tough road to hoe in 2023, don't you think? It's incredibly tough. And, you know, people are coming into brick and mortar um, because, I mean, you can get a mattress delivered in a box to your house and you can buy shoes off Amazon, you know, you you can buy them off Walmart, whatever the case is. It's not like there aren't a plethora of options. So the reality is there are a plethora of options. And what are you doing to be unique around the options that you are? And that's, that's the promise. That's part of the promise, right? In your unique offering that's in the middle of their problem that they have to the better life. So when you look at that, when somebody walks through the door, we have, uh, again, in the heart of Shootopia, we have all of these nodes built out around professionalism and communication and community. And what do those things mean so that we're always driving people through uh, any of these processes that we have down to the center of the heart of Shootopia, which the center of the heart of Shootopia is we want to help you look great and feel fantastic. Because if we can do that and confirm that that's happening, when you walk to the door and you have your aha moment and say, I finally found that perfect pair that makes me look good and feel fantastic, man, I love Shootopia and I'm coming back here next time. I'm going to tell my friends, right? Yeah. So that's the goal. And I mean, as much as you know, in, in our stores, we're not like grocery stores where people are coming in every week or whatever, but we do have regular customs prob- customers, probably even more so than you guys do in mattresses, because um, mm-hmm. we'll have them in seasonally, you know, and, and that sort of stuff. Yep. And you'll have them in every few years or whatever the case is when the kids need one or whatever. But, you know, the idea there is that if you leave them leaving or if you have them leaving with that really good vibe and that, you know, that's why you have the high ratings and Google and stuff like that then your referability level is up. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And yeah, let's say... Um, brick and mortar. 100%. Yeah. There, let's uh, take a left turn back to something you said a minute ago, a few minutes ago, and then we'll yeah. do a U-turn back to refer <laughs> It's all good, man. Um, you had touched on, you have your people, your customers, mm-hmm. uh, your partners. Yeah. Right. And talk a little bit about how, and I, th- I think I'm correct in this assumption, you probably insist that your partners support your promise to your customers. Yeah. Well, first of all, they have to know what the promise is. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't, like a lot of business owners don't know their own promise, let alone how to share it with others. Right. Right. They don't have the language around what their promise is yet. And your job, and I'm talking to you, the listener here, as the leader of your business, you need to own the communication of your promise. And you need to have a process in place to deliver that. And then you need to make sure that you're holding your team accountable for that promise, right? I call it the CPA. So communication process and accountability. And when we look at that, the promise, it's like, how important is that? Well, first of all, we need to have, we've talked a little bit about that, but as you overlay that into your product, right? All the, the product has to live it too. And who's delivering the product? Well, your suppliers are delivering the product in most cases, you know, in mattresses we're getting from Serta or Simmons or whatever the different mattress companies are. Shoes we're getting them from Merrill and Birkenstock and what have you. And, and, you know, most of those brands that we buy our stuff from have their own promises that they're trying to live as well, right? Mm. So how do you marry those two so that you guys can do business together and so that you're offering what you're offering to your client? And 
one of the ways when I break down those three um, sections of people into your ideal client, your ideal teammate, and which is people that work with you, and your ideal suppliers, the ideal suppliers, we scorecard them, Jeff. We have a scorecard. And we have Love like a, a 10-step scorecard. And the scorecard, mm-hmm. you know, it's Merrill up top. And we have sort of eight uh, various things like are what are their terms? How are their returns? You know, do they pr- uh, provide co-op dollars? You know, a, a variety of different things that we've indicated as, you know, are they present in store? Have they ever even been to my store? Right. When we go to buy stuff, and they're saying, oh, well, you can, you know, I'll use this as a, I'll use this as an example. And are we R-rated here? <laughs> you I'll, may be R-rated. Yes, sir. So, so basically I'll just, I'll just say uh, it's not that bad, but one of the things I'll tell customers, cause we're small town, we're small town um, stores, right? Mm-hmm. I'll say, yep. well, you know, if they're showing me something that looks like it belongs in Las Vegas or in, in downtown New York city, I'll say, how does it perform in pig shit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they're and like, I what do you mean? I know that to be true. And I'm like, of your, they're of like, your what are area. you talking about? And I'm like, we're a small town. Like, why are you showing me this stuff? Yep. You don't understand our promise. Our promise yep. is, you know, look great, feel fantastic. And why are you showing me something that's this tall in glitz and, and, and you know, that I'm going to wear to the ball once in my entire life? That's not what we do. So have you been to my store? Do you understand what we're about? Do you understand the promise that we're offering? Do you understand the other competitive products that are in in my store that you can tell me the differences between the two and why I should be working with you and why our customers might want yours as opposed to theirs? Mm-hmm. Like how yep. how good is because you could also have a great brand and a terrible rep. So that's one of the things that you know because that can destroy relationship. Yeah. No. One hundred percent. So funny that you bring all of that up because that's. That's what we're working through uh, as a result of that one star event this week, well, last week into this week. And um, some of those questions are being revisited and, and re-answered and reassessed. And uh, I very, you just gave a really great little subclass on choosing the partners because everybody listening and watching, you need to remember the relationship you have is with your customer. Everybody behind you, beside you is your responsibility to manage. You can't take your customer's money and then when something goes wrong, put the partner in between you and the customer. That's a surefire way to uh, get bad reviews, to get people not coming back, get them not to refer because it's your relationship. Yeah. And I like to say very simply, we can't be a five-star company with three-star partners. And this is the reason... Yeah, this is the reason, thank you. This is the reason we moved away from the big name brands you actually referenced a minute ago. Yeah. Because we saw six years ago, we saw their quality levels drop, you know, in, in our industry. I'm sure it's, there's some similarities of yours. You've got the big four names that most everybody's going to know owned yep. by two companies. Um, one's publicly traded, one's equity owned. Uh, one lives and dies by quarterly reports. The other one lives and dies by the every five to seven year equity sale and the inevitable bankruptcy and the stripping of assets. And it's just terrible for the customer. Yeah. And the brand, what ends up happening is the brand suffers from this whisper down the line effect. You know, so you have to scorecard and manage your vendors. And again, Pete and I are kind of talking to one another here right now, but 
this is, listen in, lean in, right? And, and, <laughs> and be that fly on the wall in this part of our conversation because how you relate with your vendors and how you translate that through to your customers is so important as it relates to your promise. And we just shifted away because that whisper down the line effect of what a name brand supposedly meant to what I could put in front of my customer. It was like two different stories. And we, and we just said, enough is enough. It's our brand. It's our company that's going to live and die on the front line here. So what do we have to do? So we went and curated 11 other suppliers that do the best of the best in every individual unique category. And we have been thriving because of it. Now Love we work it. harder. Yep. But that's okay. You know, um, on that scorecard, you know, some people will just look at profitability, right? But as we're talking retail metrics, it's like, okay, well, you need to know your margins and you need to know your turns and you need to know all the key sort of retail metrics that I'm sure you've talked about and all that sort of stuff in the past. But it's important to know your numbers. But there's also yeah. these other sides of the scorecard. And I think that's that's an important piece that often gets overlooked. Like, how good is your rep? How, how often are they in the store? How... You know, all of these different things that aren't as measurable, they may be a little more gray, but at the end of the day, you've got a certain budget that you got to live within, right? And when you're going to the buying table, when you're doing the trade shows or however you buy in your industry, um, it's easy when you have a scorecard in front of you and you're comparing the same things that you, that you have made and deem important in your business yeah. to say, hmm, I think I'm going to trim their budget and I think I'm going to add to this one. Yeah. It makes yep. it like when you use frameworks to clarify things like that, it makes decision making, which we've talked a lot about, easier. And what do we all want in our business? We want easy decisions. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I mean, really, what you're talking about, that scorecarding process, let's face it, the reality of a promise that you're going to create for your customer is subjective. It's subjective from one shoe retailer to another as it is from a mattress retailer to another as it is from a financial planner, somebody that does insurance, uh, somebody that does home remodeling, bathrooms, cleaning, whatever. Yeah, That's subjective. Yep. Made objective, though, through these metrics you're talking about, right? The number of turns, the profitability, those gray area intangibles of how much support do I really get? Because mm -hmm. it's tough out here on these front lines. You know, we don't have the algorithmic data to base decision that Amazon has. We just don't nope. have that. Never will. They're so far ahead in that game. To me, it doesn't even make sense to try to win that battle. So we just play on a different one. Yep. And that's our approach to it, which as we, you turn back to referability, that's where we win. Yeah. I don't know about you, but we're, we're at a point where North of 60% of our business is made up of repeat business and referrals. Uh, we actually, our greeting is, tell me, tell me why you're shopping for a mattress. We get that answer. Wonderful. So were you referred to our store or did you read our reviews? And, and that, and that question really leads to a lot of great conversation because we now know, we start to know some things. If they're referred, that's going to tell us some stuff. Um, and if they dug into our reviews, we've got some things to talk about. But how are you maxing out the referability into your businesses that you run? 
Well, um, we use Shopify as our point of sale platform and it, it gives mm-hmm. us, you know, great data to see how many people are coming back in. And, you know, as a shoe store, you would think we have, you know, X amount of clients, a lot of different clients. And of those, they're only buying maybe once, maybe twice a year, that sort of thing. But typically in our stores, we're sitting around where you are around 50, depending on the time of the year in the summer, it goes down a little bit because there's more transients and more like people mm-hmm. traveling around and what have you. In the winter, we're in the 65 zone. And in the summer months, we're more like 45, 50% returning customer rate. And when you look at the lifetime value of, in, at, I don't, I'm not sure what your average mattress sale is, but let's say it's a thousand bucks. Uh, our average tickets are around $140. Well, I need to do eight times the volume right. to get to that, right? And when you look at that sort of thing, how important is that they come back? It's crucially important. We look at lifetime value. We yep. culture the relationship. We send out emails. We, we give birthday um, gift certificates when it's their birthday. People look forward to certain things we're doing this weekend. Yep. We have the pleasure of having the president of Mephisto Canada. Mephisto is a, a line of fantastic shoes and boots and sandals. And the president of Mephisto Canada is driving seven hours to spend some time with us. We're going to do a fancy oh, wow. little wine and cheese on the Thursday night. Stay open late for Mephisto customers with the president of Mephisto Canada, a little wine and cheese, a little special events. We've taken people to the, we, our shoe store, we've taken people to the theater. Best customers. Love it. Like, and we've Love it. gathered like 30 customers and, and their significant others gone to the theater and gave them little gift bags and taken them to see a play. You know, we've, we're trying to do things that are yep. slightly different than you would expect out of your shoe store, like a shoe store taking people to the theater. You know, so just different things like that are ways that we're cultivating some of that stuff, Jeff. And I think it's a never ending, uh, ongoing thing to try and think of these things. But we're very community centered. And, you know, one of my favorite marketers, and you may have heard of him, but um, his name is Dean Jackson. And Dean Jackson is the founder of the Squeeze page. Uh, just an yep. incredibly interesting dude. But he says uh, one of the lines that he uses quite often is, you should be five mile famous. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, your community, and we talked a little bit about the whole Amazon thing. And yes, we sell online, but that's a different sort of platform around our five mile famous zone, right? I'm in Canada, right. so it's like 7.5 kilometers, right? But <laughs> yes, what's the, what's the metric system? <laughs> the conversion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but to put it back into the, the five mile famous, you know, how, what are you doing to be five mile famous, to be the mattress store in your yeah. five mile zone, to be the footwear store, to be the automotive dealer, to be whatever the case is? How yeah. are you supporting your community so that you can have referability within your brick and mortar zone? Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the ways that we do that, and again, this is appropriate to anybody listening, and it's a great time for me to plug Chris from Cast Ahead, who's our wonderful producer. He's been putting a lot of Pete's information on the show visually, which is why it always pays to listen and watch. He produces the graphics. He's been putting the comments in for Pete's free ebook, The Ten Laws, uh, ebook download that you can get. There's a link right in the comments here and now on the screen. But uh, Chris helps us produce Lancaster Connects. Lancaster Connects is the foundation of our five mile famous planet. And that's a show putting shine and spotlight on local charities, local heroes, occasionally businesses that do good. Um, not that 
you know, that sounded really bad. Occasionally, we <laughs> have occasional businesses one. on the show who have a culture of doing good for the community as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if we just open it up to businesses, we'd get everybody, you know, wanting in and it, we're just it. not going to go to that, that effort for them. We want to help our community because we believe it's it, that, that belief of shifting from just success to significance is important. And if we just take from our community, if you just take from your community by taking the money out through sales, and you might get five-star reviews all the time. That's fantastic. But if you're not doing things for your community back into it, that's a problem. And, you know, we're, we're blessed to help in a number of ways. I was just at a, a charity event for Off the Streets locally, which is a group that helps people secure housing. They uh, get, in, get a, an apartment or a home fully furnished. They pay for their first month's rent or security deposit, and then they might do a couple months down the road, but they get that person secure where they can sustain. And they have helped now more than one person a day for the last 10 years get out of homelessness. Fantastic. Um, and uh, we're proud to support them. And, and that's Pete, what Pete's talking about. How do you deposit back into your customer, into your community? It's so important. You can say you're five mile famous because you got the biggest ad budget on TV and maybe there's one station in town that still everybody watches so they know you. But you know what's that impact you have? That's the real important question that backs up your promise. I'm sure I you have something to add there. Yeah, I had an interesting one. I was working on the floor in our stores. Um, last weekend was our busiest weekend of the year, Mother's Day weekend as we're recording this. And so I was helping the team out on the floor and I was talking to um, one of our customers and she said, you know, Pete, you're at, like, you guys support everything in town. I see your stuff everywhere. And that was very, um, the first time I, I, I've had that kind of before, but I haven't had it recently. And it was just, yeah, you know, kind of thinking back of all the stuff that we do to support our community, we do support a lot. We mm -hmm. want to support a lot. We want to be seen as a community leader. We want to be right. seen as giving back to our community. We have boxes in each of our stores, like uh, we've made some beautiful boxes and we call it Shootopia, the donation location. And we are a foundational mm. supporter of the food bank. And we also have set up a, um, a footwear area within our local food bank that when anybody needs a pair of shoes, they just get them. It, they aren't resold. So they stay in our community. You know, we're over 5,000 pairs donated now. And, That's incredible. And they Good still want more. And you know what? Jeff, we live in a, in a rather prosperous area. And you mm -hmm. would think that people in our neighborhood don't need, you know, secondhand shoes and what have you. They do and they need more. Yep. Right. Yep. And so all of these different things equate to being, I, it's one of my parts of the heart of Shootopia. We want to be community leaders. We want to be involved. Right. We want to be, we're hiring people from the community. We're, tr we're serving people from the community. We want to be seen as sort of glue around that. And um, it's all of these little different things. And if you're not list, if you're not doing any of these kind of things, like Jeff or I was, was saying with your business right now, that's okay. When do you start? Now. You start now. Right. And, you start, yeah. and you, you start thinking about some little thing that you can do. And I'll tell you, when I used to have a cleaning company, I used to, uh, we used to mix our own soaps and everything that we had, all kinds of mixers and chemical stuff. I used to drop off five gallon pails of soap to the homeless shelters 
so that they had all the soap they needed mm. for the year. And we'd supply them with soap dispensers and stuff like that. And we'd supply them with some other chemicals and gloves and different things like that, because that's something that we could do within our yeah. business, right? Yep. So every business has ways to give back. Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you mentioned it. We do it. The food donation bin. Yeah. Uh, we, we realized, boy, we're in a lot of homes each and every week. Yes. And what if each home donated at least a pound of food? Yeah. And what that's turned into is people leaving a grocery bag or two at the front door on most all of our stops. We had to learn the hard way. Um, we have to ask, hey, are these groceries by the door for us? Because one time we took somebody's actual groceries and then they call <laughs> us like, hey, you took my food. Um, I had I had a bag ready to go. It was on the yeah. kitchen counter, but yeah. you guys uh, beat me home. And, yeah. and so I raced in to let you in and I set the groceries down. But right there, just that effort of aligning focus yeah. around helping people who are suffering with food insecurity or are hungry. And by the way, uh, food donations is the one thing I've, and I knock on wood, I hope it doesn't happen, is, is a charitable effort that's yet to be politicized. Most everybody agrees on it. Yeah. Everybody sees the need, they get the need, and uh, you, can, you, know, you can just get those donations. And we get them back to two local churches that run great food banks. Exactly. And, and, it, and it doesn't cost us anything other than the time and the effort to grab it from the home and bring it back and then get it over to the food banks, but we're right around the corner most days because we're out in the community delivering product. Yeah. And so, and, you know, here's another way we the, add, we yeah. added to that, Jeff, you know, uh, people know us as you can bring your shoes and we'll repurpose them and get them to people in need. They know that portion and they, they've seen us do other stuff with the food bank. So one of the things we do now is we just pop the Shootopia trailer on the back of, of the truck and, um, do the Christmas parades. Oh, and nice. with the Christmas parades, then people can all their food bank donations will collect all the food bank donations at the Christmas parades and footwear. So we call it food and footwear for the food bank at the Christmas parade. So we'll do three of those in a given year in three different towns, local towns, and collect collect it all for the food bank as part of it. So you know you don't it doesn't have to be anything that's crazy. You know if you're thinking this is just too big to kind of do for your business. You can do it for your business and start small. It's okay. I mean, any little benefit is, is, and, you know, I used to think that it was sort of, we shouldn't be publicizing this. We should just kind of keep it on the low and we're going to, you know, help them out and not sort of advertise the fact that we're helping out. But if you're, if you're in a small town and people actually want to know what you're doing to support the small town, I, I no. didn't used to think that, but I do now. People actually appreciate the fact that, especially if they see you doing this stuff all the time, not just a one-off, that it's yeah. like they are there and they are working for us. Yeah. Yeah. Demographically, our younger generations, they want to know. Yeah. They want to know how corporate stewardship is being run and, and are they depositing back into the community? Yeah. They do want to know that. They want they those answers. So very good points. Um, let's... Uh, I would say in my analogies of left turns and U-turns, I guess we're going to get out of this car and get into a different mode of transportation sure. entirely. So you and I both lead other business owners. Yeah. Um, we both help business owners to uh, you know, get out of the day-to-day -day and, and understand where their business can go. And maybe that is, as you said, it's just something they keep and it runs and they put process and procedure in and it pays them well. Um, but you do something that 
I've been a big fan of and have participated in and currently investing in and now leading. And that's a mastermind. Mm. And so I wanted to, you know, have you speak to why do you feel, uh, obviously you lead them and facilitate them. For me, it's the number one secret to my success. I share that freely, being in masterminds and investing and being a part of them. What have they meant for you? And, and what's the big promise that you communicate to those who attend well, your the, the mastermind prom- events? You know, from, from a simplifying entrepreneurship side of things, the promise is still the same. We want to take you from operator of your business to owner of your business, right? And so whether that's one-on-one coaching or mastermind or any of those different things, it's still the same promise. It's just delivered in a different fashion. And um, a couple of things I really love about Mastermind is I do like, I mean, I do a fair bit of one-on-one coaching. I, I was in uh, doing one-on-one coaching before we hopped on this call. But um, from a Mastermind or a group perspective, when you get the power of whatever, 6, 8, 12, 20 um, people in a room, especially if you're if you're coming in talking about like in your case if it was a mattress one let's say or in my case a, a shoe retail one we have yeah. similar commonalities and most of the problems that have come up for each of the individual people typically have already been solved or partially solved by other people in the group so what are we doing we're taking sort of something that's already 80% solved by somebody in the group and we're tacking on these little bits and pieces through conversation and through the mastermind group thing of making it even better. And now we all can take that back at 98% instead of at 80% for the person that was doing it well and maybe 50% for the people that weren't. Take it back as a 90% or 95% and implement it in our stores and implement it in our businesses and do take the pieces that we want out of it. Some of the other great things around mastermind is it creates an external community, not only within the mastermind when we're having our meetings, if it's either on site or on video, whatever the case is, but it creates conversation outside of the mastermind, which is just as important. It's like people align with each other and it's like, hey, can I call you on this after the meeting? Yeah, sure. No problem. Can I get this PDF from you? Uh, Because I think it will work for my business for sure. Like all of this stuff becomes you because you know, like, and trust them. If you're good yeah, at facilitating time together, yeah, right? If you're good at facilita- facilitating this stuff, you've built some of that in where people get to know, like, and trust each other. And when they get to know, like, and trust each other, then the information starts flowing. They're willing to share. They're willing to not feel as though, you know, somebody's stealing from them. It's like, no, I'm willing to give as opposed to this other. And it's very giving. It's very sort of, um, engaging, I think. So mm-hmm. I love masterminds. I think. You know, I've been in many, uh, I, I host several, you know, uh, both for retail industry and some other stuff that I do. So, you know, the idea around mastermind groups are awesome. And sometimes masterminds are short term and sometimes they're yeah. long term, like 12 week mastermind. And sometimes it's like an ongoing thing that just never stops. And mm-hmm. so if, if you, the listener are listen are looking for the right mastermind, just know that there are several different kinds out there and you got to jump in and try one because they're really outstanding in in the case that you're going to learn so much, not only from the person who's managing or facilitating the mastermind, but from the other people in the group. And that's, I think, where the real power comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I've often said it's not 
it's not so much the person putting the group in front of you as it is the person's ability to curate the group. Mm. In other words, the people in the seats. Yeah. Whether And again, like you said, whether that's for 12 weeks, for a year, yeah. ongoing, um, you know, it's their ability to curate the right people. So they do have that giving mindset because if you come to just take, uh, that's not good. I'll share in a moment, I'll share a story about just the taking and what happened. And it was very interesting. But it, it's also on the leader and the facilitator to ensure that the person at the front of the room in their hot seat or getting their feedback is really getting the answer that they want and that they need as opposed to, oh, here's another new business idea. Go chase that. Or, you know, here's other feedback that you might have tried and you know, because you work with that person one-on-one, you've done some work before, that's just out of bounds for them. They're just not going to do that. They're not going to support this. They're, they're not going to go take on equity money in their business because it's not in their alignment. So that's really, to me, what a good facilitator does. They curate the group and then they help to make sure the feedback remains focused where it's beneficial to the person at the front of the room and really to the group overall. Um, little quick story about an experience. I was in Dan Kennedy's mastermind for a few years. And, you know, if you know anything about Dan, he long ago sold off his business and just barely really became a part of the subsequent iterations of his namesake of the business. So he's in, he's leading this mastermind. I'm in it. These new guys come in, they're on their cell phones, they're on their laptops the whole time, not contributing, not listening not even engaged, not even like at the table, they're back in the back of the room. And he just goes and refunds them their money and kicks them out. And it wasn't even his money to refund, which was the funniest thing because the powers that be at GKIC at the time were not too impressed. They had to do a $30,000 refund. And um, he just said, hey, you guys failed in the onboarding process. You didn't get the right person in the room. Just because they're check clear doesn't mean they're a good member. And to me, a good facilitator does that. Like they curate the right people. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I don't have much to add to that. I think you're right on right. the money. And um, I, my, my sort of promise, one of my promises that I make at, at the sort of, as we go through working with people is that, hey, listen, if after the first meeting, either I feel you're not a right fit or you feel I'm not a right fit, let's shake hands and let it go. And the, Love it. it will will refund your entire amount of money because ultimately I don't want to be working with somebody who I don't think I can help or wants my help. And I don't, I, I mean, I don't have to coach. So I coach because I want to. And from that perspective, it's, uh, it's, it's really, you know, if you don't, if I don't feel you want to be here, then let's just leave it there. And hopefully you'll find somebody else that's going to be in better alignment. Um, and, and I will too. And that's okay. Right. You know? hundred percent of this. Yeah. That alignment, uh, statement, boy, that could be a whole other show for what that means for people. (laughs) But, uh, but this feels like a good time to wrap up our time together. Uh, we've had your site on screen. Obviously you're a retail guy. You do help other business owners, both in the retail space and and outside of it. Um, obviously you're well adept at speaking in front of people so you can speak to groups. Uh, you have your own podcast, the business owner breakthrough podcast. Man, I've enjoyed uh, your time with me today and with my listeners. You've got a free download, the 10 Laws ebook. You go to simplifyingentrepreneurship.com slash laws to get that. 
Uh, is there anywhere else people should go to connect with you, Pete? Or is that the place? That's really the place, my website. Yep. Um, and on social, I'm most active on LinkedIn. You can find me at Pete Moore, M-O-H-R. But if you, if you type in Pete Moore, M-O-H-R, you'll find me. I'm out there. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, listen, I have really, uh, really enjoyed our time together. Uh, grooving with you, the retail thing we had to connection and <laughs> Kitchener Waterloo region. We <laughs> had a connection, it. which that's it. like only us and a handful of other people would know. Oh, um, come on. Everybody knows. <laughs> well, when you say <laughs> like I'm from, you know, the funniest thing about when you say you're from Canada and you've probably yeah. had this coming stateside is yeah, sure. people say, oh, well, you know, you must know. Yeah, exactly. Right. I and, must you know, when, when you're, when you're hedging the bet, the reality is it's not all that of an inaccurate statement because what, like a third of the population lives within that one and a half to two hour greater Toronto area. So yeah, for sure. You know, if you're an odds person and an odds place, you're a bets, <laughs> you know, it's not an inaccurate statement. It's nope. just, there's a lot of other land and a bunch more people. So that's for sure. But I'm glad that we've got that connection and so many others. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you for taking the time. And, uh, We'll see everybody else next week on The Big Ticket Life. So take care. Thanks so much, Chef. Make it a great day. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode of The Big Ticket Life. You've heard from another amazing guest living their own Big Ticket Life. And now it's time to live your. First, I'd love for you to take me up on my free gift to you. Find your gift at gift.thebigticketlife.live. That's gift.thebigticketlife.live. See all your life, you've been told what is and what is impossible by the loudest voices from the cheapest seats. It's time to finally do life and business on your terms. Sure, you've heard similar things, but without clarity on what can be done, it's easy to have your customers, employees, maybe even partners, and your spouse keep you from truly living a big ticket life. My big ticket methods shift you into that investor seat in your business, away from commodity and away from competition into a market of one so you can finally live your own big ticket life. So my gift to you is for you to book your discovery call today where we'll uncover first the Chivo behaviors, those chief everything officer behaviors that hold you back and why moving into the investor seat in your own business is critical. Two, we'll uncover the premium position that's up for grabs right now in your market that you're missing out on. And three, which big ticket methodologies are just waiting to be dropped into your business to explode your sales and profits. So again, thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love for you to take action right now. Accept this gift. Book your call. Go to gift.thebigticketlife.live. Again, that's gift.thebigticketlife.live.